started getting up at 4 in the morning. My wife was having back surgery, and we had to do our admission process at 5.30, so she could be in for her pre-op and get into the surgery uh, by 7.30. So this is like her fourth back surgery in the last 12 years, the second one in two years. And uh, she did fine, she's recovering, hopefully she'll be going home tomorrow. But I really would like to have your prayers for that and uh, keep her in your, in your hearts always. Uh, oh, we do have our, thank you. Alright, well, um, I, I guess we've been talking about uh, special contributions for this year. And uh, what I like to have is I always like to have people kind of like feel connected to what they're giving you. So that it's not just uh, the duty, the uh, devotion you have towards God, the habit, the, the ceremony, but it's also a heartfelt connection with those people who are going to benefit from our offering. And so uh, what I thought I'd do today, tonight is to share a little bit with you about a little history and a little bit of what we're doing in Central America. Uh, let's start with uh, the scripture here. This is a very well-known scripture to many of us. If you're visiting with us, or if you're a, a new member of the church, you'll hear the scripture a lot in our in our fellowship. Jesus came to them and said, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations." Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I, I went ahead and underlined two key phrases here. One is make disciples of all nations. Now the church was always meant to be a global community. Now the, the word global is kind of like a you know, catchphrase in our generation, but the church was always global. Yeah. Secondly, it says here that Jesus told the disciples to teach the new disciples to obey everything he had commanded them. Well, you know, that includes that very command he gave them to go and make disciples of all nations. So we are a part of something that started way back in the first century when Jesus gave this his great commission. And we are a part of a great mission field, and there it is, Mexico and Central America. Let me tell you, this is a land of impressive natural beauty. Amazing landscapes. This is also a land that is rich in folklore and very interesting history. But this is also a land that is made by its people. And the people in these lands definitely have shown a desire to learn more about God. And God has brought many, many men and women to the waters of baptism. And this has proven to be a very fruitful field. So what I'd like to do is share a little bit with you about how this all began. It all started back in 1987. And 
the church in Boston then sent a mission team to New York, who then sent a mission team to Sao Paulo, Brazil. A few months later, the Boston church itself sent a mission team to Mexico City, Mexico, and a few months later to Buenos Aires, Argentina. Now, maybe you're not familiar with geography or anything, but if you are, you can tell that we had a strategy here, and the strategy was to begin not in remote villages, but in the largest metropolitan areas, the most influential cities in Latin America, so that once we built those churches, they could become the headquarters, the pillars, the launching pad for other churches in the rest of Latin America. Now, my wife, Mimi, and I were privileged to be a part of this first effort. We were part of the Mexico City Mission Team. Now, our mission, our mission was focused on two main goals. First thing was, we were going to preach the word and convert as many as possible. Now, we got to, it was interesting, we had some interactions with other uh, missionaries from other denominations. And, uh, you know, many of them would typically spend months, sometimes even a couple of years, in what they call cultural adaptation. We felt that we didn't have time for that. So, from the moment we stepped off the airplane, we started evangelizing. Many of the team members didn't speak Spanish at all. They were going to learn Spanish for the first time. But we made sure that one of the first things they learned was how to invite people to study the Bible, right? And, and how to even begin studying the Bible with them. Like, you know, open up Luke 19, verse 10, Lucas 19. They had to learn these things. Uh, now, the second goal was we wanted to identify and then start training talented young people. Uh, because my idea was we, we didn't really know if we were going to be able to stay there for the long haul. As a matter of fact, we felt our strategy would be we'll be here a couple of years and then once the church is established, we'll move on and start planting other churches. So we wanted to essentially, within two to three years, have a good crop, so to speak, of young Mexican evangelists and women's ministers. So what we did was we targeted a very important ministry. Oh, who is that guy? <laughs> this is the National University of Mexico, better known by its acronym in Spanish, UNAM. Uh, over a hundred thousand students are served by this university. And about maybe 30 to 40,000 of them go to this campus here, which you're seeing just a tiny slice, and the you know, almost world-famous uh, library with its incredible murals. And that's uh, yours truly standing there with a few more hairs on his head. <laughs> so like I said, tens of thousands of students attend this university. So what we did, we started some small Bible study groups uh, in this area that is called Las Islas, or the islands. It's a huge courtyard where students can hang out in between classes or in between shifts. And so we started there and it proved to be a very, very fruitful place. 
Many of those young women that we met and studied the Bible with went on to become Christians. Many of them were trained to become the future evangelists and women's leaders of Mexico. Many of them went on, got married, have had children, and many of them are now spread all over the Republic of Mexico, and some of them even in countries in Central America, where they have planted churches and led churches to growing into memberships in the hundreds and thousands. So at the present time, we now have 28 churches in 26 states of the Mexican Republic, 10 churches in 7 countries of Central America, and one church in the island nation of Cuba. God is good. So, in, uh, this year will be the 25th anniversary of the planting of the Mexico City Church. So in little under 25 years, the Mexico City Church has gone from 13 to over 4,000 members, My bad. I just came here from teaching a chemistry class at Satellite College, and I've been doing this the whole evening. And I think my, my phone is kind of stuck. It's kind of frozen. Here are our another view at our uh, young evangelists and women's leaders. You can see them again. They're all over the place. They're all over the, the nations there. And Mario and many guests you know, also were just here last week in Orange County. They shared some really powerful stuff about whole families being converted and uh, the singles ministry being just, just rebooted and restarted and ranking. It was awesome. Okay, so here's where we are. So in over 20 years, the Mexico City Church went from 13 foreign missionaries to a congregation that numbers around 4,000 members now, from one church in one city to 39 churches in nine countries, and from 13 foreigners planting one church, now we have 39 churches led, all of them, by nationals, by people who are converted. The work is not over yet. As awesome as that sounds, we still have six cities, six states in Mexico where we still need to plant churches. We need to continue building stronger youth and campus ministries for a new generation. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a couple of minutes. Uh, we have many mature members, but we still have not trained or appointed any elders in any of these congregations. And of course, we continue to try to come up with creative ways of generating additional sources of funding. So at this point, hopefully you're asking, you know, how can I help this awesome work? Well, I'm going to give you some different ways that you can participate in this, so that it won't be just, you know, writing a check or bringing something to the country, which is awesome, but it'll be a little more. For example, uh, and please forgive me, Steve. My, this is not a commercial. Here. 
But let's say that if, if you shop at Rouse grocery stores, if what you can do is you can go and enroll in the rewards program. And then what you do is you can go to their website and uh, register your rewards card in their community uh, contribution program. And then on that web page, you'll open up and you will find the uh, link for the participants. And once you're in there, you register your rewards card and then you designate Mexico and Central America missions as your charity. And here is the MPO number, 803579. And then, if you shop there, every time you shop, you just scan your card and Ralph donates money to landscape issues. And all you did was you continue to do what you do there, which is shop there. Isn't that easy? It's an awesome way of helping us out with our work in Mexico and Central America. Now, some of us would like to actually participate in this, and I think some of you have heard or have been participants in this, but, you know, Hope Worldwide has these community service brigades, and what we do is, you can, you know, we partner with Hope Worldwide, and uh, we try to connect these uh, community service brigades with the local churches in Mexico and Central America. And uh, you can go there and sign up for some of their programs. I heard that some of you are planning to go to Honduras this summer. That's awesome. Uh, here are some pictures from uh, some of the participants. I think you saw them there. These are some of the people that went to Guatemala recently and participated in one of these community service brigades. It is a great opportunity. Now, you don't have to be a healthcare provider to participate. You don't even have to speak Spanish. But it is an awesome experience to be there and get in touch with people that we serve in these communities and also with the local disciples. It is a great opportunity. Another thing that we can do is, another thing we can do is, we have short mission tours. Now, uh, several regions of the LA Church have done this, but recently the Turning Point Group has done some amazing work visiting the church in San Salvador. What they do is they go for about a week, they rent a little bus, they have, <laughs> in Central America, the government assigns you like a security detail, so they go with you, you know, to keep you safe, you know, the most places that we go to are, are safe anyway, uh, despite what the press says, all right? <laughs> and so what you can do is you can go on one of these short mission tours, you can go evangelize and have, you know, impromptu Bible studies, and you can also build friendships that will last for a lifetime and impact many people. That is Jay Miner from the Turning Point, who has led these groups. Um, they are going to go to San Salvador again, I think, uh, in June of this year. Now, that tour, I think, is booked already. It's full, but if you would like to, you know, Organize small group to go to one of these churches and spend a week with them. Just talk to me, okay? Talk to me. Now, how about an extended tour? Let me show you a great sister here. This is this is um, seated seated there in the center of the picture is a sister named Bobby Trotter. Bobby is a retired uh, North American sister. And she has spent the past year in Mexico City. 
She just moved there, and she's been there for several months. She has hooked up with this, uh, you know, ladies' Bible club. They have baptized several, you know, you know middle-aged ladies there, and she is having a blast. She's having a great time. So if anybody has, you know, a few months that they want to spend down there, talk to me. I can also connect you there with people there. Now, of course, one of our major efforts is our special contribution that we give every year. And uh, a portion of the special contribution that the whole Coastal Region is going to raise this year is going to go to help uh, our work in Mexico and Central America. But let me tell you specifically what we do with that money. Number one, there are some small congregations in the fellowship that are still not self-supporting. And so what we do is we try to channel funding so we can keep sustaining those congregations until they grow to a size where they can support themselves. Uh, we are also hoping this year to plant two new churches, one in Honduras and one in one of those states in Mexico that I told you that still don't have a church in them. So we're praying for that and hoping that we can round up the funds so that we can uh, uh, support mission planting in these two countries. Uh, the other thing is we need an ongoing program of leadership training. As I said, uh, we don't have any elderships in any of these churches. And I'm talking churches of you know 4,000 members, 800 members, 500 members, and you know, we don't have any elderships. We need the training. Uh, this past year, Alan Gloria Baird had offered her services. They traveled a few times to Mexico City, to Guatemala City, and they're starting to identify and start to put the vision in some couples in those churches to aspire to become elders. And so we're excited about that, about getting Alan Gloria's help with that, and also help from other churches in our fellowship here in the United States. Um, now, one of the main uh, focuses we have right now is that ministry at the University of Mexico, that that ministry that started it all over the past few years with the, you know, this chronological aging of the church has been neglected. Currently at that campus we only have about 10 disciples. That's all we have in a campus of over 100,000 students. So one of the things that we've had is that we've been talking with Stephen Shonda Stevenson here in, uh, in Long Beach, and we are hoping that you will help us reignite the ministry at UNAM, the largest university in Latin America. So with your help, with a portion of this year's missions contribution, we're hoping that we can put a couple full-time to devote themselves to reignite this ministry and hopefully raise evangelists and women's ministers and all kinds of influencing people and influential people for a new generation. We're excited. Please pray for that work. Uh, we're excited about it. If you want to know more about our work, we have two websites that we go off. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, I forgot about this. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Philippians chapter 1, verses 2 to 6. This is the way I feel about you, and this is the way the brothers and sisters in Mexico and Central America feel about you, and this is hopefully the way you feel about them. It says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel, 
from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Um, I feel very, very grateful, very indebted towards you. You know, year after year, you've sacrificed, you've given up things that you would have liked to get to give to this work. I just want you to know this is it's a beautiful work. It's magnificent. It glorifies God. I mean, if you had the chance to spend like a few days in one of these churches, stay at a disciple's house, see how they live with you know, not a lot of, of things that they have, but what a great heart and what a great devotion they have towards God. They're very fruitful, very focused, and yeah, materially they lack a lot of stuff, but spiritually they're very rich. And I think if you had a chance to visit, your life would be enriched. You would grow spiritually tremendously, and it would really validate and make you feel very, very, uh, in the good sense of the word, proud of the sacrifices you've made and the generosity you've shown in uh, providing us with the resources to continue this work. It is a beautiful work. These brothers and sisters, I mean, they are they're beautiful. I love them a lot. And uh, if they were here, if in some way they could through me channel their gratitude, let me tell you, every one of them knows of your sacrifice. They know. We make sure that they understand what is being done here for them. And they're very grateful. And I'm sure they would welcome you with open hands and arms if they could. Uh, we have two websites that you can go to if you want more information. Our main website is at mcamissions.org. For example, if you're going to be traveling, let's say you go on vacation, not necessarily on a you know, quote-unquote mission trip, but if you want to uh, connect with the local church, uh, you can go here. We have a directory of the churches, and you can go there and find out uh, who to contact. We don't have the actual meeting places because you know they don't have like stable facilities like we do here. So sometimes they have to you know jump around different places. But you know, hey, it's, it's part of the deal, right? It's part of the fun. Um, if you want to know more stories, more testimonials, more about the events going on, you can go to our blog, themissiondiaries.com. And you can read, for example, the story about this sister, Bobby Trotter, that I shared about. You can uh, read about our uh, uh, campus ministry in Central America, our friends who built it up. You can read about the singles event, all kinds of things there. And I'm sure that on behalf of everybody down there, a big thank you to you. And hopefully, uh, they're not here, but they would definitely say a big gracias to all of you here. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity to share with you. And I look forward to doing more